Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. Do you like my water bottle? It's from our sponsor, BetterHelp. And as much as I love to coach and talk to people and relate to them about narcissism and how it is such a toxic and difficult situation to get over and heal from, I know that talk therapy really helped me and she actually helped me identify that I was abused. Because I didn't know what narcissism was. I didn't know what narcissistic abuse was. I was lost. And talk therapy really helped me. So at BetterHelp, they help you in the comfort of your own home, on your computer, with qualified therapists. Everything is confidential on BetterHelp. And I'm very happy to have that link in the show notes for you if you need it. That combined with a good support system is going to help you get through and heal from narcissistic abuse. So today we are unveiling the apology trap, how narcissists manipulate empaths. Apologies can be a narcissist's weapon of choice, disguising their true motives and perpetuating control. This is how they reel you back in. This cognitive empathy I call. So this is what we're going to be exploring today. Discover the deceptive tactics used, the blame shifting, the empty promises and gaslighting today in this episode. I really enjoyed the banter and the real raw, like my generator energy was like, yes, give me stuff to respond to. This is so amazing. Because as you're listening to this podcast, you'd be like, wow, like, how does she know that I was just thinking that? Well, it's from our dear empaths on the live, also helping us with some feedback and some things for me to respond to. So in relationships, whether they are personal or professional, there's always a chance we may be interacting with a toxic, emotionally immature, some call them narcissists. And apologies are commonly seen as crucial steps towards resolving conflicts and is what we're taught as children, right? Apologize in school. The teacher makes both parties apologize, even if one child is completely innocent. Both parties apologize, right? And conflicts are mended and hurt feelings are hopefully shared, but usually not. However, it's important to recognize that apologies can be used as a tactic by narcissists to maintain control and to continue their manipulation behavior. So, I just want to talk a little bit about empathy and the difference between cognitive empathy, like a behavioral pattern of knowing how to be or act empathetic versus containing actual somatic empathy, because this is important to look at. And when we always talk about narcissists on the podcast, I always say, take a look at their actions and don't listen to their words and accept them as truth. Because what the narcissist does is they use their words to manipulate situation, false apologies, 
gaslighting, love bombing. They do all the things to confuse you. They say all the right things to make you feel like, oh, they're willing to change. Oh, they're willing to go to therapy. They must not be a narcissist. These are all of the things almost like they've evolved to know what is acceptable. Therapy now is acceptable. So now the newer generations of narcissism may say, yeah, I'm happy to go to therapy, totally willing. Or they may even say, I'm happy to go to therapy on my own for my own self, but then they never go. They never go. They keep making excuses like, oh, I can't find, you know, my insurance needs to cover this, or I can't find time to call the insurance. And maybe they make you call the insurance or they just don't do it. They just, they say they do it. They may even make up a lie. Like they've booked an appointment. They've actually gone when maybe they just went to the coffee shop instead of the therapist. So all these things are to throw you off the trail and to keep you in the relationship with them. Why? This is the big question for us empaths is why do they want to stay in relationship with us when they don't really truly love us? Like, it doesn't make sense because if we don't really truly love someone, we probably won't stay. But the narcissist views it differently. They view love as transactional. And so they view you as a commodity, as a toy. And so even though they may have lost their luster for you, they have not lost the ability to control you or own you or whatever else they want to do. And it's almost like an ego thing. Like, well, if they leave me, then I'm a loser or I'm abandoned. So I have to leave them first, right? Like, or I have to win the argument all the time. Otherwise, I'm discredited and I'm not perfect. And that means I'm nothing. Like, they just have these extreme insecurities and self-identity skews that are just so unhealthy. And this is what drives this really toxic behavior in relationships with other people. So number one is the art of false remorse. I love how it's worded as the art because that is it. It is an art form. They have learned it over and over since they were little kids. Because like I said, you're taught as a little kid to apologize, is to feel sorry for when you do bad. But maybe they don't. Maybe they never did. But they have to in order to get the teacher off their back, right? Or in order not to go to the principal's office or in order not to go to therapy or whatever else is recommended. So the narcissists are masters of deception. And when it comes to apologies, they know exactly how to play the part. And often they offer apologies that do seem genuine. They seem like maybe they've played the role as the actor enough times to know that when they appear to be vulnerable and it seems genuine on the surface, then everyone will just accept the apology and forget about the offense. But I I feel like the tricky part about this apology, not all narcissists apologize. Some of them may do a covert apology like, I'm sorry you feel that way. They're not apologizing for their behavior. They're not apologizing and taking responsibility for what they've done. They're just apologizing that you feel that way. For some reason, that always tends to work and paint over all of the stuff that they've just done. And maybe it's because also we're open-hearted as empaths. We are taught as children to accept apologies and to move on. But then you find yourself in this constant cycle over and over of the same problem over and over. And then if you try and bring up this this pattern, 
they will be like, why are you bringing up the past? I thought we were over this. I apologized, right? It's like, well, yeah, you apologized, but you never really said what you were going to work on moving forward or you never really like nothing's ever changed. Like your actions aren't reflecting your apology, right? And so then they gaslight us and take us through the whole ringer, shifting the blame over to us. And it's crazy making. I know it is crazy making. I'm just affirming that with you here. You are more than likely, you are not the problem. One person is never the problem. And of course, they're in a conflict. There are two sides to to each conflict. But I really feel it's hard with a narcissist. Like most of the time, I always can find some type of like thing that I can learn to do better the next time. And that's what I always kind of find when I'm dealing with a narcissist. Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have opened up the can of worms. Like, I feel like that's the only problem. Like, the only thing that I can apologize for is my opening up this conversation with you. But honestly, it's just, yeah. I don't want to say that nobody is blameless, but usually the narcissist is the one that's not taking responsibility and is the one to blame. So a telltale sign that you're dealing with someone who is not genuinely apologetic is that they're shifting the blame. The apology is, like I said, I'm sorry you feel that way. And it's like, why do you always do that? Or why do you always say this? And I can't believe you're bringing this up again. We were over this. That's in the past. Forget about it. I don't even remember about that. That's how unimportant it is. And in your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, you just totally told me that my feelings aren't valid. How I felt during that betrayal or that conflict, that my feelings don't even matter. You don't remember them. Like it just makes you feel so tiny at the same time. They're pushing it like under the rug and trying to not take responsibility and say, I'm sorry, you know, moving forward, I really shouldn't do that anymore. A true conflict resolution includes moving forward, I will work on, and then you actually work on it, which the narcissist doesn't do. So you get empty promises. You feel this repetitive pattern of problems. And I know this because I experienced it. I know this because I've heard so many of you reach out to me and say that you've experienced it. And you feel like you're the problem every time you're going through these patterns. But you ultimately are not the problem. They just don't want to work on it. And that's why there's a repetitive pattern. There's empty promises. There's like, oh, well, I'll go to therapy. Or, okay, I'll, I'll fix that. Or I won't do that anymore. They may even say, moving forward, I'll work on this. But then they never do in their actions. And that's really the biggest key takeaway is you have to watch in any relationship, is the person's actions. Do they have healthy boundaries? Do they respect your boundaries? Are they really needy all the time? Are they codependent? Are they shifting the blame all the time? Are they manipulating the scenario? Are they just plain old self-centered and like say the craziest things to you? And you're like, did you just say that? Like all these things is the actions that come about. They discard you when they feel like they're not going to win. When you need them the most, you're in the hospital, they don't come. When they can't control you with their words anymore, they start to use physical abuse. It's the actions that we really need to focus on and say, you know what? I'm not the problem. These are all the reasons why. Write down the actions. 
track the actions like a scientist. And you will find that you are not the problem. The only problem is you're still staying in that situation. And that's the one thing that you can take responsibility for. You can take your power back in doing and leave. And I know it's more complicated than just leaving. There are so many layers to leaving. However, you can always figure out a plan, get your financial security, figure out your, what is it called? Your legal repercussions or your legal plans with an attorney, all the things that you need to take care of. But you can. You don't always have to feel like you're stuck. You are not stuck and there's always solutions. There are safe houses. There are therapists. There are so many people here to help you, to help you figure out how to get out. I'm here. I can coach you. Loads and loads of resources. But when they give you these empty promises, they're luring you back into the web of manipulation. I like to call it the dark vortex. You're just kind of hanging out in this dark vortex. And when you finally wake up and you see that there is no end in sight or no improvement in sight, that you're just getting pulled, like you're literally going to get sucked down into the very base of this dark funnel, this vortex. And that's not a safe place to be. That's almost like a point of no return where a lot of us, we have spoken out and shared about our lowest point. And I write that up, about that in my book. Where I just wanted to be done with life and all. I wanted to be done with the pattern. And therefore, I thought the solution was to drink myself to death and just be done. Like, I just wanted to end it all. And it's really the worst and darkest place that you can be. And so to avoid that is what I'm trying to share with you now. I want you to avoid that. You don't need to get to that place. And so many of us have. It's scary and it's really unnecessary if we just take a beat, just take a pulse and watch their actions. It is disgusting that it is the same thing over and over again. So it's your power to be able to set yourself free from this toxic pattern. It is the same thing. It's their same shortcoming. It's their same emotional immaturity. And you can do your best into setting yourself free. It is really interesting how they refuse to see that they play a part in this. And I wanted to talk about that because I think I don't, this is hard. I don't want to speak to the narcissist and why, because I think every single scenario is different. But if it's an emotional immaturity and an emotional or some call it a mental health issue, I think it's more of a social illness. But yes, it everything that we manifest in our life is starts from our thoughts then it's like they are the most scared most insecure people on earth to not be able to have the cojones to to take responsibility and say hey i probably shouldn't do this to my fellow human anymore you know it's like they're so weak and insecure emotionally and all they have to do like it's not going to kill them and I have heard that from a narcissist it felt like going to therapy was he was going to die it's not going to kill you you just have to say I I fell short here as a human and I know the ego likes to avoid that but that is the way to healthy relationships is through vulnerability and they just don't have the capacity Unless they come to a real coming to Jesus moment, which on the podcast we did have Martin O'Toole on, and he had a near-death 
suicide experience as well that woke him up and he went to an ayahuasca retreat and he completely transformed his life around. He doesn't talk that he is a narcissist. He doesn't brand himself as a narcissist, but he can certainly say, yeah, I was a horrible human being before that situation and scenario. And you know what? You're awake now. This is the beautiful thing for all of you who are finding this podcast is you are awake now. You're just learning how to cope with the narcissist. You're still living with them. You're figuring out what to do always. And you're trying to figure out like, okay, yes, they are always painting me as the villain, trying to control everything. Yes, they are always angry and bitter because they're always hung up on the past. That's emotional immaturity. I think it's funny. They're hung up on the past of their trauma. But then they tell us when we bring up the past patterns that aren't getting fixed to forget about it. Like it's almost like revealing to us that's their coping mechanism, which isn't working, obviously, because the pattern keeps repeating. But yes, you need to refuse to allow them to treat you that way. And with your children, you need to protect your children. Seeing your children outside of the court order, there's no, there's no need to put your children in danger like that unnecessarily and definitely not out of guilt because that is again a big red flag that you're dealing with the narcissist or toxic person is they use guilt into influence what they want the narcissist will never have a normal relationship with anybody especially their children because they treat everyone transactionally their children are like quote unquote theirs they own their children because they birthed that they didn't, you know, the dad doesn't birth them, but that's like their seed. And so therefore it's like even more control. It's almost more toxic with their offspring because they see them as a piece of them, which is super scary. And you know how our children trigger us into self-development and self-growth. That is key. That's exactly how human emotions and the world evolves is the children challenge us. And we then have a chance to respond or to reject. And the narcissist doesn't, doesn't respond, they reject. It can't be with a narcissist. If you can work outside of a court order, you're probably not dealing with true NPD. Yeah, it only boils down to the children being able to evolve and not become a narcissist by conditioning themselves. But the actual narcissist, they probably will die as a narcissist to their grave. It's really... Like I said, unless they have a near-death experience like Martin O'Toole or a few of the other narcissists who are speaking out, I mean, I think it can be possible, but it, it takes an incredibly um, amount, a credible amount of discomfort for them uh, and some type of soul awakening. It just depends on where the soul is in their journey, I feel, which lifetime this is, if they're going to get it right this time or they got to come back again another lifetime. And then as she gets older, she might not want to see him at all. You know, it just depends if you want to really force that issue. If he doesn't want to see her at all, then as much as that discard really hurts, it at least she's not influenced and in that toxic presence. It's such a complicated situation with the kids and the narcissist, but it's also very simple. Would you really want to continue to put yourself in that situation all the time? No. So why, if you don't have to, put your kid in that situation all the time? Only if it's court-ordered. So I think you're doing the best you can. You're doing a great job. So we talked about their repetitive patterns, empty promises, gaslighting and invalidating experiences. It is hard to accept the discard, but I finally have found that it's a blessing in disguise. 
It's like when you release the feeling of the love that you had and almost accept it as it wasn't really true love. It was transactional love. It helps separate the love and helps make it the discard feel less painful. It is possible to be better for it, to empower your children to know what is healthy behavior and what is unhealthy behavior. And then let them choose because the more we teach our children about healthy conflict resolution, healthy boundaries, red flags, like they need to learn all about narc awareness as much as we do because they are the children of the future. They are the next generations to help us evolve. It also gives them the empowerment to be like, you know what? I don't like my dad and I don't need to have my dad around me if he's going to continue to act like this toxically. It just isn't worth it, right? They use the child as a pawn, like however they can make someone else feel bad to erase their feeling of ickiness and their badness and to, to put themselves back up in whatever pedestal their ego thinks they need to be on. Yeah, so he would see his daughter and abuse me. And if he can't abuse me, he can't see, see her. And I would end up doing favors for them and still not getting the help I need with our daughter. Yeah. And she's only three. So, I mean, I feel like protect the babies. If the court is going to force you, yes. If the court's not going to force you, don't even, right? Because he's going to abuse you first and use her like a toy. And he likes her right now because she looks up to him because she's only three. She worships him or whatever because he may be giving her ice cream and treats and throwing her off her schedule and doing all the things, right? Saying yes to all the things she wants. But then, yeah, coming around and then using her as an attachment to then abuse you. Yeah. And that's, oh, oh, I hate that. But that is what happens. And I feel your pain. Go ahead, vent away. I think it's beautiful to speak this out. Get it out because it's true and it's happening and we need to bring awareness and the tools and the empowerment to say no more, right? We don't need to do that. So moving on to gaslighting and invalidating our experiences. This is another tactic that they do through apologies and they twist the facts. They downplay or deny their actions. They outright lie. They're like, that never happened. I didn't do that. When you know clearly it did, you're like, I swear, I wish I had that recorded. You said that. And they'd be like, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. It's crazy making and validating your experiences and feelings by making you question your own reality. This is, I think, their favorite thing to do with us because we're so, again, kind, open-hearted. We're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And they are making us question our own reality to throw us off the trail. <laughs> it's just crazy making. And they're doing all of this to maintain control, to not take responsibility, and ultimately not to change their actions and do the work they need to do, and to not apologize. This is the thing with them manipulating us and using the guilt and shame. This is a beautiful example, and I'm so sorry that you're experiencing this. He says, I'm making it about me and not his daughter. Well, technically, if he's abusing you, Eventually, he's going to abuse your daughter. So you are making it about your daughter by putting up boundaries that you're not going to allow anyone to treat you that way because how she sees people treat you is how she's going to allow other people to treat her. 
So technically, you are making it about her, but at the moment, she's only three, so he only sees it as you're making it about you. Who cares what he says, right? Screw that comment. That is a totally horrible, false comment that would be thrown out of the water in the courtroom because you are thinking about your daughter. And if not, maybe I just made you think about your daughter. Like, that's what I would be doing. We're like, no, I'm not going to let anyone in my sphere, in my children's sphere, treat me like that. And it just happened with me recently with my sister-in-law. And I love her dearly. And at the same time, I'm not going to put up with her BS. She's not going to use my kids as a toy or something to distract her in her life where she needs to deal with it. Or she's just pretending that it's like, she's saying, oh, well, I'm putting good, good energy out to the universe and I hope that they receive it. It's like, yeah, that's great. But just understand that they're children. They're going to change their mind and stop putting all of the responsibility that you got bum hurt last time we changed the plans and then blaming me for it. I was like, not going to happen. That is not happening anymore. I don't put up with that in my life anymore. So just setting up some good expectations, some clear expectations. And the narcissist can't handle clear expectations or consequences or boundaries. Yes, absolutely. So keep your boundaries up. Keep those toxic people out of your circle, especially with little, little ones. Because what they see is what they're going to allow in their life when they grow older. I've been seeing more and more posts about how our parents love us is how we see love in the world. And that's the romantic partner we attract, like how it kind of develops this attachment style. But also how we see the adults around us interact with each other and treat each other, that's normal. So if you have someone abusing you and treating you like that, then they're going to see that as normal. And then they're going to put up with it in their lives when they grow older. And that's the last thing we want for our children, right? This is why I'm such, I wrote the book and I'm an advocate and I'm speaking because I don't want my children to fall for what I fell for. I don't want them to be naive and overly protected. I want them to be narc aware. And we all want our children to be narc aware. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that you just put that in the comment. That's what she said too. I don't have time for this negative energy in my life anymore. Oh my God. Exactly. You have to laugh because they're just, this is how they gaslight and they turn things back on you. They use your language against you. They, they are using our current language that we're saying we don't want the negative energy anymore. So then they're like, well, I don't want the negative energy anymore. It's like, but you're not doing the work. You're not doing the shadow work. You're not doing the self-improvement work. Like you're just saying you don't want the negative energy anymore when we put a boundary up. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. I love that. That's exactly what she said. That's what they all say. Yes. Learning from this is huge. Good job. It's all about discernment. I feel like the word is discernment. So discern if these apologies are true if they are coming from good actions, if you see the fruits of the labor, going back to some wise quotes from the B-I-B-L-E, which I don't really believe in, but there's some really wise sayings and some of that. And use your discernment to know that their words they're saying towards you are manipulative tools. Absolutely. You can be a forgiver for yourself but not a forgiver to let the door open. In our human design episodes, I always talk about your open white centers 
are like an unlocked or a wide open back door, leaving the narcissist to come in and be like, hey, what you doing? Sitting on the couch, putting their feet up, doing all the gross things in your house. You're like, how did you get in here? Why are you here again? It's just because you need to build up your intention and discernment around those open centers to close that back door, lock it up and say, you know what? I'll let the good, nice air breeze in, let's say with a screen with a lock, but I'm not letting the narcissist or these toxic people back into my house again. And that's house is your body. The house is your brain. The house is your emotional body, you know, your own space and your actual house. So absolutely. Yeah. It's very, 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 very rare that the narcissist will change. And the narcissist will call you a narcissist or they won't. I did a, a reel just a few days, or oh, I guess last week or maybe the week before about my sister-in-law and talking about how the narcissist in one conversation can make you feel like five to six different horrible negative things about yourself, things that you worry that you are because you're such a kind person and you always want to be kind. And then they, 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 they like put these labels in by saying things that like they're putting themselves up in integrity character. So it's like, well, I would never change plans. To me, that was like, well, now you're calling me like a flake and a person of lack, that lacks integrity. Like in between the lines, they label us all these negative things. They even call us a narcissist to project what is not real and to push off whatever weird action they just did to make sure that they're never at fault. This is the crazy making part about NPD. They never can be at fault. Yeah. Hoovering back in. Yep. And they can hoover you back in with an apology. So always be careful that you're not just blatantly accepting an apology. If you do accept an apology, first draw a boundary, see some actions, and then maybe only if the actions happen. But again, if we're dealing with MPD, they're not going to change. Mm. Such good stuff. Nogal Merlot and Max, thank you so much for um, collaborating together, supporting each other. This is the beauty of our community, is lifting each other up, sharing our experiences, and making sure that we feel like we're not alone. <clears throat> so in conclusion, I should wrap up this podcast. Understanding the true nature of apologies from narcissists is essential for breaking free from their manipulative grasp. Recognizing the tactics that they employ, such as false remorse, blame shifting, empty promises, gaslighting, and invalidation, empowers us to protect ourselves and assert our boundaries. It is important to remember that genuine change requires more than words. It necessitates consistent actions over time. By learning to identify these manipulative behaviors, we can navigate relationships more effectively and safeguard our emotional well-being. Absolutely. So beware, narcissists. Do not fall for the manipulation or the apology trap. And subscribe and tune in to this podcast, Empath and the Narcissist, and share it with a friend. Tag me uh, in your stories at Raven Scott Show. And thank you so much for contributing to this content, being here, venting, and supporting each other. Until next time. Keep your unique light shining.
in your soul healing journey, you find the tools and exercises to help you bust through the cage of victim identity and out into a huge beacon of light to fulfill your soul's destiny. This is exactly my goal to help you with in my book and the new book that I am writing right now in the process that we will take you through in the Empath Healing Membership. At the moment, we have an Empath Healing Membership with a library, weekly meditations starting in July, and monthly healing circles. I am feeling called to up my game in this membership and have it be more organized or have it be a series of work guiding you through your healing process in this membership. I love your feedback on this. If you were to join the membership, is it best to include the workbook, have the workbook shipped to you when you sign up, and a series of videos to help you go along with the workbook and the membership accompanied with the weekly meditation meetings and healing circles. If this sounds good to you and something that you would love to dive into, I would love your vote as to what format is best that you would enjoy for this. Your vote will truly help me craft the best healing experience for you and other empaths on this same healing journey. You can vote in the link in the show notes and thank you so, so much. You got this. Thank you for your podcast and book. It has helping me through this dark period. Thank you for sharing your story, end quote. I have heard this countless of times and I am so grateful. My guidebook is to serve you in your healing journey and it weaves my story into lessons and is a must read on your self-discovery journey. I've included 20 plus healing resources such as guided meditations, exercises, and journal prompts to heal and to understand your human design and some astrology concepts as well. You can buy your copy of my book, Empath and the Narcissist, How to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse and Recover from PTSD, Codependency, Gaslighting, Manipulation, and Learn How to Live Your True Self with Human Design 101 on Amazon and listen on Audible. And if you've read my book and you're wondering how to interpret your human design chart as I cover that in chapter 12, I'd be happy to read your chart for you. Click the link in the show notes for your human design reading. Don't forget, for a limited time only, you can grab your free copy on Audible. Just sign up in the link in the show notes and I will email you your own special code to redeem your free copy. I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. Losing time, I'm fading fast I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need what you need we're broken it's tragic we're not all elastic but maybe there's magic believe